This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, and welcome to Stalking Time for the Moon Boys. And I'm calling it Stalking Time for the Moon Boys because anyone who listened to the previous podcast will know that Tim Hinks spotted a sort of buried, embedded pun within Stalking Time for the Moon Boys, uh, and that it could be called Talking Time for the Moon Boys, because of what we do on this show is we talk about David Bowie, uh, and therefore, because that's a reference to Bewley Brothers, it could be Talking Time for the Moon Boys. Unfortunately, I, I suggested on the last podcast that we might have some responses to this on Twitter, and it's universally been Stalking Time, please, don't call it Talking Time. Someone said that sounds like an Alan Partridge show. Of all the thousands of people who got in touch, they all said, yeah. It's nearly seven people. <laughs> and they all said, no, 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 we like stalking time. Uh, I mean, talking time by itself does sound a bit like... I think people are actually too frightened to talk to you about it because no-one's mentioned it to me. I think it's right. such a big decision they're making on our behalf. Yeah. But stalking time, it is, is what you're saying. Well, it's an interesting philosophical quandary as well mm. because a couple of people said, no, no, it's much cooler the Bowie reference. The Bowie reference, right? Uh, and I think, well, it's still a Bowie reference if it's talking time for the Moon Boys, isn't it? Yes, I suppose they mean... But the thing about stalking time is it's a lyric that's not that well known, mm. and so referencing it is a bit insidery and it feels quite good. That's what we quite liked yeah, about but, it. Yeah, but we're still doing that if we'd only called it talking time for the Moon Boys. It is a, Well, I think that's a reference to a, it's a, reference to a Bowie lyric, whereas yeah. we are just going for the Bowie lyric. There is a fine line between okay. the two. But if we'd have called it... Um, the spiders from Mars, yeah. and claimed to be the spiders from Mars. Yeah, that, that would that feel would too be, obvious, right? Would and have I think been rubbish. It would have been terrible. Yeah. And I, when you suggested it, I said it was terrible. <laughs> and I think talking time, or st- uh, stalking time, is a is a cool reference to a cool song, right? Okay. Well, let's, so we're let's, saying, let's stick yeah. with stalking time for the moon. Boys, right. Right? Now, the very exciting thing about stalking time for the moon boys, uh, episode five, is we have we've got a guest on this show. Uh, we've never had a guest before. Loads of people have asked to be on. Oh my god! Oh, it's incredible. incredible. Um, uh, just trying to think of a name of someone. It's <laughs> Angie where, to, where to start. Been asked to be on. <laughs> she uh, was in Big. Big I, I met her because she was in Big Brother. Oh really? Yeah, yeah. Oh, we'll in, talk about that. Yeah, hold yeah, hold that Big thought. Hmm. Uh, but I, I said no to all of these people uh, because I wanted to have on Robert Popper. Hello, Robert. Hello, David. Thank hey. you for asking me that's on. Just, that's a pleasure. News. You'll know Robert Popper, of course, from Friday Night Dinner uh, and all sorts of other things he's done in the wonderful world of comedy. But also, I know him. Because I've known him since he was about eight. That's right. Because he's, oh, uh, I didn't know that. Yeah, he's yeah. the cousin of a close friend of mine, David Gavrin of the Sundays. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Sundays, a very big band in the nineties, and then they decided, for their own rather stupid reasons, to give up doing music oh, around about nineteen ninety-seven. Such a shame. It is a shame. Perhaps I'll talk all... to my cousin. Yeah, well, I, I can talk to him too. <laughs> I play squash with him sometimes. Do you want me to have a word? <laughs> I don't know. Him. Him. I don't know him. Yeah, David Gavrin. I mean, actually, when I mention the Sundays on Twitter, which I do occasionally, yeah. a host of men of our age 
all start wailing with what a great tragedy it is that they don't do anything anymore and and essentially start talking about Harrier in a slightly you know mad yearning way you know it's kind of extraordinary and I think it proves that if they were to do something there would be a big response from, from a lot of men a lot of men on Twitter uh, on Twitter but never mind about them more importantly. Robert, I've known since he was eight, and I've also always known about Robert as a sort of music person, even though he's emerged like a great chrysalis into the butterfly of comedy. The he, butterfly of mm, comedy, yeah. yeah. I think of him... You know as, that's what we call you, right? Yeah, of course. I, I think of him more as a music person, because when Dave was a guitarist, my mate Dave, who's his cousin, but there was always a sense that the better guitarist was his cousin Robert. Oh, right? I'm now, not sure about that now. Now, I'm not... Well, I, it's because I, I did... I, I learned classical, didn't I? Yeah, that's yeah, right. Yeah, I was always... I think I saw you once when you were, like, 13 playing classical guitar at your mum's house or something, and it was it was very good. I do good. remember doing that at my bar mitzvah, deciding to play classical guitar in the bar mitzvah party, and I remember just looking up at one point into the crowd, and everyone was bored. <laughs> I was just thinking, this isn't, this isn't a good idea, and this piece is quite long. Well, one yes. thing we need to know straight away is, you know, Bowie. Yes. Because you know, actually, the reason I've asked you on this show... Daniel is, Bowie. Yeah, <laughs> is we bumped into each other. guitarist. We bumped into each other at a showbiz event, because that's we spent a lot of time going oh, to showbiz yeah. parties. Oh. Uh, it was Edgar Wright's, the director's party, in fact. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I told you about this podcast, and you told me about your love and obsession with Bowie. And I thought, well, let's have him on the show. So tell me, when did you first I can start to think about Bowie? My first obsession was... In 1974, I was eight, and we went on our first foreign holiday to Mallorca. Mallorca. And had a jukebox, and there were two songs that I liked to listen to. And it was the first one was Uma Paloma Blanca, <laughs> Uma Paloma, which yeah, is a nice song. It's a lovely song. Who did that? I can't remember. It's on Hunky Dory. It's the beginning of opening track, yeah. I think. Yeah. Yeah. What does it actually mean as well? Uma Paloma Blanca. It's white something. Paloma it's a white. Bla- Paloma. It's a white Paloma. It's white Paloma Blanca. But, yeah. Well, <laughs> that song, which was a nice catchy song, which yeah. I love. But also, yeah. even better or as good was Space Oddity. Yeah. And I remember mm. asking my dad for coins. Right. Uh, and playing that and F- becoming obsessed with it. Yeah, probably. Mm. I yeah. guess they were. Not even Euros. Not even days. Euros. <laughs> yeah. God, we're leaving. Oh, God, yeah. This so is that's what we kind of a Brexit thing. thing. Yeah. So you're in a bar in no, Spain. No, 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 no. Oh, not in, in a bar. No, in the, near the swimming pool outside. <laughs> I remember that because one night a man in a white suit who I realise now was... was it? it wasn't Bowie, but it was in a 70s white suit, very drunk. A man in a blanker suit. In a blanker, Paloma blanker suit <laughs> yeah. was walking along drunk and making a noise and then ran and just jumped into the swimming pool in wow. all his clothes and had to be pulled out. And I remember seeing that through mm. a sort of seven-year-old's eyes mm. as, mm. why did that man do that? Did you ever find out? Never did... found out. <laughs> I mean, if there's anyone listening that <laughs> right. do you know this man. That? Right. It's I... interesting because I think Space Oddity, is, everyone sort of throws that away, that kind of thing now, isn't it? But when you are that young oh, yeah. and you hear something like Space Oddity, which even now sounds like, you know, from another from space, world, yes. or from, literally exactly. from space, yeah. Um, you would just get obsessed with it, wouldn't you? I was obsessed and, and with that there's song. There's nothing quite like it. But it was, but it was, but, but it was by the swimming pool. I'm kind of interested. No, it was by David Bowie. Yeah, it was by the. So there was a swimming pool, and uh, it was the Hotel Calablanca, I think it was called. What's this with the Blanca? Who not the Loma Blanca, the man in the white suit? It was like a white power kind of thing. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Sure. You know? was the '74. There was a big. Yeah, it was yeah. a big yeah. thing. You'd gone there with the National no, Front, exactly. Yeah, uh, National Fronte, and on the left was kind of a bar area. I do remember this, and there was a jukebox. Okay, I see. So yeah. from there, you're what eight? Did you say? I was about eight. Yeah. From there, how did you? you and know, then build, it was. I remember watching on. 
on TV, right? You know, Top of the Pops and all yeah. that. And then, and I probably bought some singles. And but it was actually our, my cousin David Gavin of the Sundays yeah. bought me uh, Ziggy Stardust the album. Oh, did he? Well, I was about twelve, probably. So he's very critical, David Gavin, because uh, I've actually just done Desert Island Discs, right? And uh, on Desert Island Discs, I talk quite a lot about him. There's a Sunday song mm. uh, on it, uh, but more importantly, I talk about how when I was nine, when I was like sixteen or something, and I was really into punk rock and bought Nevermind the Bollocks and had like tried quite hard to get my hair spiky. He wasn't very good at that because I didn't mm. understand about Glute. backcombing. Well, actually, I used my mum's silver crin, right? <laughs> but it never really worked. It just fell down. But anyway, I was still trying quite hard. And then Dave played me Wind and Wuthering by Genesis. And I got really into Genesis at a point in time when it was the least fashionable least cool thing, thing in the world, right? But he still had that effect on me. So. It still makes you sit up when someone says that sex was up, never mind the bollocks. And it slightly made me jump when you said that. What, I think, what do you mean? Well, I think partly because... I think when you say never mind, you're going to say the buzzcocks. That TV show has become much more of a thing. So oh, really? when you say, yeah, so when you, you say, you know, that's a pun. Yeah, on exactly. Never mind the box. No, no, and that well, came first. I'm well aware of it, and yeah. I love never mind the box. But it's quite, it's quite an outrageous title, isn't it? It, it, is. it, is. These, it is. Never yeah. mind the bollocks. It is. There's no way of saying that in a way that anything other than wow. That's like a hell the most. Of a title. Is that the most British title? Uh, it any album? probably is. It's, I think. Is there a more British title? Well, probably a Chas and Dave album. Yeah, we were to check a Chas and Dave album. Who my friends went to see at the Albert Hall last week. Really? Oh, Generally. Really? And, and also, it does include the lines, Got My Beer in the Sideboard Ear, which, right. which I don't know if it's an album title, but as a lyric, it's the Who's most that? In That's Chaz true. and Dave's song, yeah. the sideboard song, Got My Beer right, in the right, Sideboard Ear. Right. could be ear. a Genesis album, to be quite honest. <laughs> but I it is in fact Chaz and Dave. We've never mentioned Chaz and Dave, but I, I'm suggesting they probably have a very, very clear view on Brexit. Yeah, I think they, they I do. Think they, I mean, they I probably released a song called The Brexit Song. They Almost Chaz and Dave. I'd like I'm to not so sure. I, I think there's a sensitive <laughs> a side to them. I think, think? that Yeah, because they did a lot of uh, session work. Didn't they in the seventies? Well, that make them sensitive. Well, I think they did a lot of like you know cool disco-y soul things. Well, so I, I think that suggests more of a. Uh, so did Rick Wakeman. Yeah, like, no, yeah, maybe so. Yeah. Well, that's mm. right. We love Rick Wakeman because he no, played piano, him. of course. But I think Hanky he's Dory. also quite he clear on Brexit. Yeah. Oh, is he? Is he clear I on Brexit? So. I think so. <laughs> uh, anyway, there are a couple of things you spoke to me about. I can't remember them now, but sort of little quizzical things you said to me about well, Bowie. Well, I was listening to you, you know, your podcast and finding funny lyrical things and that irritated you or what's that and the thing that's always annoying me on Hunky Dory's song for Bob Dylan at 1 minute okay. 41 in yeah. oh, good. there's a bit I can't even remember the, the lyric before but he just suddenly it's like the, the end of the line he just sounds like an Elvis impersonator he just goes oh, I love that bit but, but I know it's exactly meant what to be an Elvis impression yeah. I think I don't think it's an accidental Do Elvis we, why is it meant to be an Elvis impression he's, he's having fun with it isn't he but I know Can exactly you play it? yeah I'll try, it's, try it's, it's a good one. question because you would think the person to impersonate is Bob Dylan in song for Bob Dylan yes. and so it's strange that he does Elvis yes exactly but I think it is Elvis it's quite well the thing it why reminds do you think me of, it's Elvis do you think he's well, should, well it reminds me of something which obviously doesn't make sense as a precursor because it was many years later but in Man on the Moon by R.E.M. Yeah. Uh, Michael Stipe does do an Elvis impression, but he has referred to Elvis in the song. Okay. But it reminds me weirdly of um, the lead singer of Mud in the 70s. Yeah, Les, he Les, sometimes Les. did an Elvisy kind of thing, and this yeah. always reminds me of that. Okay. I think that. Les, way, Les Gray? Les Gray. Les Gray. Well, Les Gray. I put in song for Bob Dylan, ah, with an A on the end of Dylan, right? Right. Okay. 
and it says absolutely not recognised. <laughs> you sort of think, can't imagine who just, that might be. Just can't no, we can't get Dylan, is, we can't get Bowie, we, we can't get anything. You want to get digital <laughs> files for everything. Who the fuck should do it? There's nothing remotely coming up for okay. song for Bob Dylan. Now, song for Bob Dylan. It turns out they have. Okay. Now you reckon, Robert? This was if about. You put it one... in about one minute thirty. Yeah. And you'll get. I know exactly the bit you mean. I mean, I find this quite exciting. It I always like annoys his... me. Okay. I sometimes have to. It I've had times you. when it gets there. I just have to skip. Okay. The track. Well, oh, really? Yeah, Here we go. Just... Let's see. This is, let's see whether this. Yeah. But I love it. It's the end bit. Yeah. Yeah. Now the question is. Is that a deliberate Elvis impression? No. Because at some level, it could also be just a deliberate pub impression. I it sounds a little bit like he's going... Rrr, rrr, rrr. I think it's a bit Elvisy. I think that. I mean, I, I, that, I mean, I know the obvious songs on this album that we love. I've always loved Song for Bob Dylan, but yeah. without straying into other... Ter- I mean, it depends how you want to do it. Yeah. But some people cite that song as an example of his early adherence to sort of the fascism and the... And, and the sort of Hitler cult. Really? Because, because there, are, there are people write, who write about the fact that he was saying he's Jewish. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. He's called, it's not Bob Robert Dylan. Zimmerman. He's yeah. Zimmerman. Right. And there are, I can't there believe are you pe- brought this up with two Jews. There are pe- well, there are people saying You're that saying that's, to that's, us that Bowie is anti-Semitic. So your people are saying that. Yeah. Well, well. I think we know, and again, we can get into this at some, or even now. No, you we know to he talk flirted. About Bowie, the fascist. He flirted with fascism in some form, right? We're not clear. There's the famous, 
hit the salute right yeah. at 1976 at Victoria, Victoria Station, Station, where which got which which he said was just waving. Yeah, um, well, Hitler but, said but, that as well. But, but, oh, yeah. sorry. <laughs> and then, Did Hitler say he, was just waving he, yeah. at first? It, it, do you know what? It Take wore off. Context. He said it every time, and eventually <laughs> people said, "Hang on a minute, yeah. um, I am waving." No, I think I think it was. I think Hitler was quite open about what he was up to, as far as I yeah. remember. In the yeah. end, but, um, yeah, <laughs> yeah, maybe it wasn't clear. Either. Yeah, but anyway, Bowie. Bowie. I've got, got actually, a... I know the lyrics to, to the song for Bob Dylan. Hear me, Robert oh, Zimmerman. Nothing... I yeah, wrote this song, song for you. you. Uh, I didn't say I wrote this song. Called... You Jew. He doesn't say that. Let's be honest. And he doesn't say no, a voice I, of sand and Jew. I he think, says a voice of sand. I think and you need the full picture though, because I think later on. So the, the people just say it's interesting that he gave his name when everyone calls him Bob Dylan. Mm, I'm not sure about later this, on, on. He's dead naming him. You're suggesting. Later on, he says Bowie says in an interview, which I just was looked up and got here, um, that um, he thought the Führer, as he calls him, right. was, was quotes one of the <laughs> quotes was one of the first rock stars. Oh which, yes, I've heard him which, say that. Yeah, which yeah. is not true. He wasn't a rock star. Rock star at oh, all. I know. I can see what he's his saying. Point, his point is. He did big gigs. Right then, yeah. he did big arena well, gigs. Well, it's funny you say that because and he was popular. Yeah, it's exactly. He's that. bigger than Michael McIntyre because he then says, "Look at some of the films and see how he moved." Right? This is talking about Hitler. <laughs> okay. So go, yeah, well, that's not the only thing you remember him for. Um, I think he was quite as good as Jagger. Right. Hitler used politics and theatrics, as your point, David. Not your point. Well, I mean, I don't the think, point that we're the getting to that Bowie's making and created this thing that governed and controlled the show for those twelve years. Meaning, the world will never see his like again. He staged a country. So, in other words, he's ah. taking this view that he okay. Was... So, what Bowie is saying there, and let's be honest, it's a bit dodgy because because what he should have said was, "I've got this opinion about the aesthetic." The Nazi aesthetic. I should say, of course, terrible. They killed an yeah. awful lot of people. Thank Christ they never existed anymore. Yeah. He doesn't do that. He just talks about the style. Yes. Which is very Bowie, because at some level what he's saying is, mm, Hitler created this amazing character, character yeah. up there with Halloween Jack. Yeah. Right? And <laughs> well, with, not with not this, as convincing. Not as convincing as Halloween Jack, but this character. And with this character, he created a whole you know narrative for Germany. Yeah. And then he goes on to say, just in case you're in doubt, because he's not saying that. Oh, Hitler. He says, well, almost. <laughs> this he is says, when we leave. <laughs> I believe Britain, says David, I believe Bowie, that is, I believe Britain could benefit from a fascist leader. Yeah. After all, as if this helps explain it, <laughs> fascism is really nationalism. Right. Yeah, I know that. So, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it, what is all that about? What is well, all about? Well, exactly. Well, to be fair to David, I mean, he was off his head on. Well, that's what he so says. Bowie says. Bowie said much later on, like in the nineties. Uh, he said, you know. But then he, Hitler was on drugs. Was he? Oh, yeah. Well, actually, sort of barbiturous. Yeah. 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 But also, Hitler never after the war, because he was dead, but mm. never after said, well, or, I, was on, I was on drugs, and I really screwed up there. I'm mm. sorry. Mm. He never said that. Whereas no, Bowie, I think, referring to the to that interview and the possible fascist wave, uh, he said, you know, I was just completely out of my face. I didn't know what I was saying. You know, and he was also very paranoid and convinced. Yeah. I think at the time that you know devils and various things were getting into his consciousness, wasn't he? Yes. Yeah. Um, so he was, and there's the whole Jimmy Page thing that they both sort of sat and. What's that? I don't they, know the Jimmy they Page. They lit sort of candles and tried to get the devil to come into that. Alistair Crowley, probably. Alistair Crowley and all that. But the thing I was gonna, I don't think he was a sort of fashion. I mean, he doesn't thought remotely deeply about any of this stuff, as you said, it was a theatrics. But what he did have, which is kind of part of the fun of him, which is this sort of slight, but always this obsession about sort of the end of days, yeah. about sort of the world, sort of, he was a sort of catastrophist, sort of the world is going to end. And may I pay you a clip which I don't think you will necessarily be familiar with, but okay. this shows you how early this came, because this is what I think it's about. There's a track on the album which I love, and I don't know, Robert, if you've ever listened to the, the early David Bowie, the Duram recordings, which have... I might not have, so no. 
So there's a track on this called We Are Hungry Men. Do you know about this? Oh, I don't good. know the track. Sounds good already. It's, absolutely yeah. it's got lots of things we love about Bo. It's got a really cheesy, terrible bit at the beginning of a newsreader announcing effectively the end of the world. Right. And the song is basically about trying to control population and the state eating people to try and control. Oh. It's absolutely Perfect. It's ridiculous. Perfect. But, okay. but it's got this bizarre cod newsreader thing. And, okay, and let's it, hear it. Here we go. Here is the news. According to the latest World Population Survey, figures have reached danger point, my God. London, 15,075,000. New York, 80 million. Paris, 50 million and 30. China, 1,000 million. Police and Spanlots. studies include <laughs> He's here. Yeah. And so, Did you say Paris, 50 million and 30? That sounded am I, like that. Am I the correct world, in saying the, that at the end of it he said something about Leamington Spa? I think he said something about Leamington Spa. <laughs> also, unless I'm wrong, he gets the China figure exactly right. Oh, really? He says a thousand million. It's a billion, isn't it? Yeah, that is a billion. So that is where yeah. it's at. But how many people does he say live in Leamington Spa? Should we double check? It's, I mean, it was Leamington Spa. That's a gag, isn't it? But, I mean, yeah. it's quite goonsy, isn't it? China, one thousand million, Leamington Spa! Billington Spa. Billington Spa. Billington Spa. Billington Spa. Lots. Okay. Yeah. Now we talked about this once before the, when we were talking about the Laughing Gnome, which I want to get onto actually because yes. we've had more information about the Laughing Gnome. But is that Bowie? You know, when he was quite naff, which mm. occasionally he it's, was throughout oh, yeah. his unbelievably cool career. Sure. Occasionally Bowie's incredibly naff, and we often find these things on this podcast. Totally. Uh, but that. I mean, that news in the 60s, thing is terrible, isn't it? In the sixties, there's a whole thing where pop music is slightly overlaid with. Variety, new ideas in comedy, goons. That sounded to me like Peter Sellers. I don't know if it's it was. That sort of thing. Yeah, Peter Sellers, I mean, it sounded, unless it was him. Was it I, Bowie or, or. It didn't sound like Bowie. Or it doesn't sound like Peter him, but it sounds like someone trying to be yeah. Peter yeah, Sellers totally. on the goon show. Yeah. The goon yeah. thing, and, right. and there's an idea that we're going to do something which is kind of comedy as well as uh, silly pop music, which is hilarious, I think. And actually, it does sound like not a bad song, though. It's, I, I mean, but it sounds like a Bowie song. A Bowie song, yeah. 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 Society. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's funny why I mean, it's hilarious that you hear Bowie coming in because you do associate Bowie and his voice with such greatness and such coolness. Mm. But after that ridiculously naff yeah. opening, it's but kind that, of brilliant. I, I mean, I think for another time, that album is full of some of the extremes. It goes to extremes because it's got the sort of the futures we're all, we're all doomed. Yeah. It's also got Laughing Gnome. Okay, well, it's got, got, I'm going to have to yeah. interrupt there because I've been wanting to play this since the top of the podcast, we're already nearly halfway through. Right, right, right. But, uh, you mentioned, actually, that Bowie said that uh, Hitler was like Jagger, which, yeah. by the way, Mick, if you're listening, don't take that the wrong way. No, no. Right? no. I think, actually, he's not really. I mean, even as a sort of mover, he's not, you know, uh, that, when it's... that band, Maroon 5 or whatever, so they said they wouldn't have said moves like Hitler. No. Wouldn't I'd never have done that. You're right. He, he, he strutted, if anything, Hitler. I suppose I suppose so, so, so did Jagger. Is there a sort of campness about Hitler? Oh, yeah. Yeah, there is um, a campness. So, so yeah. maybe... There's no, it's definitely a campness. But he's not yeah, as fluid definitely. a mover as, as Mick no. Jagger. Although, Caitlin he... Moran no. once said... You know Caitlin Moran, the writer? Sure. Very funny writer. She once said of Mick Jagger that uh, his movement is, if you were on a bus in Mexico, right, and some r- Mexican ruffians threw a chicken down the bus and it walked back to where they were, that's how <laughs> that's Mick me. Jagger is on stage. It's a brilliant description yes, of him, I think. But yeah. that aside, the reason I brought well, that's it all not up... a description of Hitler, as you say. Not so Hitler. Very uh, is a man called Andy McHaffey has written to me on Twitter. I know okay. him on uh, Twitter. He's uh, very you? funny. Okay, yeah. he's written to me, and I think in response to us, uh, I don't know if he's in response or not, if he's done it already, but anyway, uh, talking about how Gus Dudgeon was the laughing gnome uh, last time. Yeah. And chat, he's slowed down Gus, because obviously he was oh. speeded up on the laughing gnome to be gnome-like, and he says he sounds like Jagger. Okay, so let's listen to it. I haven't heard this so far, and I don't know when the voice comes in. Brilliant. Okay, laughing gnome, deep gnome mix, he's called it. Charles and Gray, shuffling away. <laughs> 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 
sat beside the deli with his tiny hands on his tongue. brilliant, amazing. Laughing all day. Oh, to report you to the home of it. We've talked about this a lot in the last podcast about the comedy of uh, Bowie's relationship with the gnome and how uh, Tim pointed out that at one point Bowie stops being come at, you know I say he's quite he a stops good collaborating yeser. he's quite a good improviser because the gnome says stuff Bowie runs with it yep. but at one point what does the gnome say the, the gnome says um, oh, what is, is it uh, not a metronome I'm oh yeah I'm uh, a metronome I'm a metronome I think so. and Bowie says oh really yeah and then it and it's just dead the it's atmosphere dead. stops it's like that's yeah. it I've it's like it. the Elvis moment <laughs> yeah yeah it's but just, at this it's just... point he says uh are you from the gnome office, right? And the gnome really goes with that. The gnome says, oh, hey, gnome office, right? But uh, we, might, we we talk about that quite a lot, but if you actually hear it in real life, it sounds like this. Oh, to report you to the gnome office. Gnome office. <laughs> <laughs> that is incredible. I mean, I'm not sure it's that... I mean, it's brilliant. I'm not sure it's that jaggery. I know what no, you no, mean. Jaggery. No, it's I'm not sure no, it's what that What it reveals is that Gus Dudgeon was an ordinary bloke. Yeah, it's like a man, isn't it? A man It's a man. Can you come in here and say... It's a man speaking. Yeah, it's a man. It yeah. yeah, but that is brilliant because that reveals that that's what was going on, and then someone speed well Bowie probably speeded it up. Speed it up, and that and no hint there that Gus Dudgeon is about to go on to incredible heights, Elton John, and so on. And also, no. I discovered produced menswear. Do you know menswear? Well, menswear, yeah, yeah. the sort so of mid to late nineties yeah. band. The ninety, the ninety. No, he didn't make clothes. I can't name any of their songs. No, they weren't a proper band. They weren't. I think they were like a music paper constructed thing. Yes, I know what you mean. Yeah, but that's incredible to hear him do that. Now I've had quite a lot of people writing to me on Twitter uh, recently since the last one and to be honest with you I don't know how easily I can find it because obviously I spend quite a lot of time on Twitter just retweeting praise for my show mm. so you? for example David Williams Smith says saw David deliver a fantastic and heartwarming show mm. last night mm. if you have the chance to see it you won't mm. regret it right fantastic <laughs> the humour in both death and the illness in the family is so funny so the ones that say I actually did regret it <laughs> you don't retweet yeah. I don't retweet no. those right okay. okay but for example right I think this is a resource for this show because if you go down all the times I've done that, you get to Dave Wharton and he says, "On uh, he's put S in brackets, by the way, because it, he says S-T-F-T-M-B, but he's put S in brackets as if it might be talking So he's time. on board for the talking mm. time. He's on board for talking, yeah. He yeah says, talking time's bad. Oh, yeah. so, he says on S, S brackets T-F-T-M-B, <laughs> you and Tim mentioned the two versions of All the Young Dudes. However, there's another version on the Mott the Hoople album, on, mm. on the Mott the Hoople album towards the end, which I think is Bowie in the verse... Minus Ooh. the sax. Oh, right. right. So oh, can we a... talk about the sax later? Well, well, we'll talk about it now, if you like, but, but I don't know if we can find that. I haven't gone to look for so, it. So he's saying... He's, it's on... saying that on Mott the Hoople's album, there's well, a version can... on which Bowie sings the lyrics. Because if I put that... I'm going to put that in Spotify. If I put Mott with one T, Mott the Hoople, I say nothing. 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 Absolutely <laughs> nothing for Absolutely that. Absolutely nothing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Mott just... the Hoople, nothing. <laughs> <laughs> but... Uh, well, uh, while, we're, while we're on the side, while you're looking for that... Yeah, let's have a look. You, you actually sent me an email saying well, just, we need just, to talk about Bowie and saxophone. We have yeah. talked a bit about that before. Right, actually. right, right. right. No, it's right. fine, because the thing you showed me... Oh, I'm really me, happy to talk about sax. I've I never just, seen When Bowie that plays the sax, it's, it's just... What is it, that thing you showed me, though? Well, there's. I found... I looked up... I mean, I'm a bit obsessed about Bowie playing the sax, because it's... Yes. Or it's how does that man, the most musical man, mm-hmm. you know, I can imagine, play the saxophone so terribly? <laughs> sort of, it just sort of sounds like... Like a whale blowing through a radiator. It's sort of this shrill... It's always sort of an eighth semitone shot, always. The saxophone... And weirdly, it's almost as if he doesn't know how... How to to record it as well to make it sound, you know, that rounded sound that generally you get when you record. Well, it's a bit like uh, Dylan and the mouth organ. Yeah, it's like Dylan all the time. No one said to him, Bob, 
you don't actually know how to play it, I don't Should think. I tell you the other th- like, you keep doing it, and actually yeah. it, do- it shouldn't sound quite like that. And the other thing is, like, and it is Jagger and guitar. Right. If you see a picture of Jagger and guitar, it's something very, very annoying. He's a brilliant. He's very annoying. It's Keith plays the guitar. Yeah. And Ronnie, but you don't. Although, yeah. So those, I agree with you. And I think saxophone, anyway, is a very hard instrument to like, right? On anything. I, I, I don't completely well, agree with true. this, by the way. I mean, I think, you know, I if you got that, a good, you know, if you hear, a, what, you know, if you say Baker well, John Street, Coltrane playing the yeah. sax, you're no, but on, on pop and rock. But right? on, we talked about this before on mm. Roxy Music. I think when Andy Mackay is playing it, uh, there's some incredible stuff on the the sax on Victoria Plain. Yeah, but even like sax on Baker Street, you know, that's probably recorded. Well, we it's an annoying song, but it's it's well, recorded heard it without, properly. He's heard it without the saxophone. Without the saxophone, and you you actually say, "Can you bring the <laughs> can you bring the sax back in?" Yeah, because yeah, um, I I actually think some of the saxophone, although I don't know if it's always Bowie playing it on particularly Young Americans, is totally extraordinary. Uh, yeah. That probably always yeah. isn't him, but there's some really bad sax on Diamond Dogs. That, that's that's bad. Yeah, I think somehow it doesn't candidate feel so... and sweet thing. It's yeah, but so, real, so think, much. Yeah, great songs. I agree. It's that just hard. that. You know what? I'm going to disagree well, about candidate and sweet. I thing. found this He's... thing here. It must be okay. from around 1990. <clears throat> yeah. It might be our senior hall. Yes. Uh, yeah. This is what you sent me. What's it called? Palace Athena. Palace Athena. Which what is, is that? A, this is a brilliant Bowie. <laughs> Song. Is it it's a, song? it's, it's, What's it's it a from? piece of music. No mm. idea. But what's it's, it from? Palace I don't know. But it's him playing. It's probably a novel, isn't it? It's the it's nearest right. thing. When I listened to it, I thought, you know, I, I always heard that when the Queen dies, yeah, yeah. that Radio forbid. Two, well, it will happen, I think. Uh, but Radio Two or Radio BBC Radio is going to play Kenny that. G. They're going to play that thing by because Kenny G. Do you know what it is? It's a sort of song. What is it? A songbird or something? There's a bit of sax by. Actually, it's clarinet, isn't it? Kenny G. I don't even know what that's. Maybe I don't think I know that. Song. Anyway, they're going to yeah, they're going to play know. this instrumental track by Kenny okay. G before they announce it, just to sort of set the world to Zen rest yeah, and that yeah, right, calmness. Right. We've got right. the terrible announcement, right? Yeah. Now I don't know if, I don't know actually if that's true. I once asked someone at the BBC mm. and they said it might be actually true. But this bit of saxophone reminds me it's the nearest Bowie will ever get to Kenny G. Well, it's not smooth and pl- you know smooth. And I wasn't going to say pleasant. Yeah. Do you know? So this is just, him. So so he's introduced. And here here we go. Shot and he's miming. It's just hell. Isn't it? Are you suggesting? Turn it down a minute. Are you suggesting he's miming and he's still getting it wrong? So I he recorded it earlier. I think he's recorded it slightly sharp and he's miming. I okay. think he's definitely miming. It's a bit like when one of your children comes back having with a new musical instrument from school and they just start playing it. It's, yes, it's really. I not... did that with a violin. My son's just got a trombone. Yeah, he's got oh. a trombone. Can you imagine? Really. And my, my brother, Ivor, uh, he used to play the trumpet, and he told me once that uh, he was in the school orchestra, but I thought, how are you in the school orchestra? Because you never seem to actually practice. Occasionally he would play it, and my brother's got quite big cheeks, so it would be quite funny <laughs> to see how big his cheeks would get. Uh, but beyond that, my dad used to call my, my, my older brother a pudding-faced goon, which is very unfair and awful, but it's quite correct. Yeah, um, yeah. So anyway, he played the trumpet, and he told me that at school, in the orchestra, he would play the first three notes and then not bother after that. And I thought, what a brilliant idea. Yes. Because he would just mime. He would just mime after be... that. But if the, obviously if the whole orchestra did it, at some point that's going to be very it's shocking. Very interesting. Presumably there was more than one trumpet. There wasn't... I don't know how many trumpets there were, but even if there wasn't, I think that's you could really probably still get away with it because there's yeah. enough other instruments that no one would notice. Because I, I, I think 
often I don't see that much, I don't see many orchestras playing but I did see one the other day and there was a very did they deep, do that did they go it was a very duh, 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 and then everyone stopped it was awful <laughs> I think they'd agree beforehand who would do that because I was watching it thinking you could have a sort of Jenga theory yeah. of, on orchestra which is how many bits could you take out before someone who goes a lot says hang on a minute yeah. we, we've lost yeah. like a clarinet gone what's going on would you if a clarinet went and say the I mean violins a better example there seem to be about ten violinists I think you could so lose one, three yeah or I think four three. three maybe four yeah well you're also, I think of you again as a violinist I, no as very musical so I think of you like sitting there with this orchestra and you would spot it before me. Possibly, can I, possibly. Yeah. Can I, I try mean, if, a bit? A, if it, maybe we could, maybe the listeners, there's a, we could form an orchestra with, you know, and we could, we could we try, could try this out. We could try that we playing could try, a maybe Bowie, next week. Playing Palace Athena. Yeah. Can oh, I, I try a bit on you, Robert? Because yeah. this might, because just, just another little quick clip, which is to your saxophone point. Oh. Because there's an album that's been released recently, which they call Cracked Actor, uh-huh. and is it's there? actually the Young Americans tour, I think. So it's a, it's it's a new creation, Cracked Actor, the right. the album. And it's live in Los Angeles. And like a lot of Bowie live albums, it's always really exciting. There's something about a Bowie live album. It's yeah. exciting yeah, to hear stage, him in a way. And fantastic. I haven't really lost that kind of specialness. Sure. And that, partly because there's not that many of them, I think. Whereas if well, you like the Rolling Stones. The, but the Rolling yeah, Stones yeah. have like hundreds. Yeah, hundreds, yeah. Um, and, and, and also each live album's a little bit his character. You know, like Stage seems to be that very cool with that jacket on. It's very 78. and, and it, or, or sorry, is that? Yeah, Stage. So this Cracked Actor. In Cracked Actor, they do Moon Age Daydream. Mm. Mm. And Moon Age Daydream, as you both and all our listeners know, has one of the most extraordinary guitar pieces of guitar from Mick Ronson. It's a really, that break. Yeah. And when they do it live, they take it to another level. And it's this soaring, searing guitar. And it's sort of properly crazy and mad. Instead of that, actually, there's a bit of guitar later. He instead decides... I should do sax. I'm going to do sax. I should oh. do sax. Mick, oh, no. Mick's sax. gone. Mick was a spider. He yeah. asked for a pay rise. But he's gone. We know Mick's pretty gone. clear. Yeah. Yeah. And so I'm going to... And it is genuinely one of the most bathetic solos, I think. And I okay. wonder what you thought of it. Okay, can we hear um, it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's so dainty. disappointing. It's so dainty. Just tripping through... Oh, the audience are like, oh, oh no. no. As an audience member... Oh. That must be a crit. And then I think... Oh, it goes back to... <laughs> it's just... Oh, is what do you think Bowie's doing on stage at this moment? Tiptoeing. It feels to me like he's playing the opening credits of The Good Life. <laughs> Something like that. It feels like the most twee I mean, sound ever. Oh, that's a disappointment. <laughs> I've got to say, yeah. I've never freaked that out. That doesn't sound daydream. good, that arrangement. It does that, not sound good. That is not freaking out. But hang on good. a sec, just one point. Mm. There, the, there's the solo in the original Moonish Daydream and then there is that bit as well isn't there yeah, but I think when it's longer it's not dainty it's not dainty and it's Mick usually it. where Mick had a lot of fun because he wouldn't have had a sax yeah. or, or, or on the Ziggy Stardust version yeah. I think what it does is it nails the saxophone story for us which is that saxophones are uh, yeah. a risky, uh, well, risky I think it's when he plays a sax I just say when generally when he plays a saxophone okay. it's generally never great I'm going to slightly disagree with Robert here I think when's it great when's it great I think it's brilliant on Sweet Thing it's amazing on Sweet Thing it's slight, it's it goes key. with the mood it's off I, key I admit and weird that. I yes. admit that goes but generally I'd say more often than not yeah. his playing is I think a the bit of a disappointment and it's point. sort of a thing you know when you're a super fan you go no he's brilliant so yes. when you're young but I think now I can say I don't think he was a good he saxophone. Did, he did actually, well, during this period, I mean, certainly I remember when I saw him, I think in 78, um, 
it sort of lost a bit of interest in the guitar in general, I yes. think. Um, he sure. moved away from the guitar because I me- remember he played Rebel Rebel on that tour and you think that, that that's the primary almost example of on a Bowie's brilliant guitar <laughs> riffs. What? I played it on a bassoon. Yeah. <laughs> well, he does... Well, no, but he... It's synthesizer or... He does this or, weird sort of... Mm. I don't know what it is version of Rebel Rebel, right. but there's a bit of vocal, there's a bit of synth and whatever. Mm. You think, where's the fucking riff? Yeah, David? I want to hear the song. Yeah. The synths come in to, to things like... Um, uh, rock and roll star, or so, uh, you know, or um, what's it? Hang on to yourself. Yeah. On those later live albums, they are quite synth heavy, and you do miss the riffs. I yeah. Think. But that was, you know, seventy eight, and it was uh, all... I'm just going to see uh, while we're here if there's any other questions that we've been asked by people on here. Please don't change the name of the podcast. <laughs> Stay faithful to them, Bewley Brothers. Right. I, th- I think we are faithful to Bewley Brothers, even if it's called Talking Time for the Moon Boys. That's my. Point. I'm trying to think of some. Also, the Bewley Brothers names. were fictitious. So. Are they? Okay, think. yes. Okay, so Scott Bennett says, rather stupidly, he says some Bowie Life on Mars questions. Now, none of these uh, lyrics are from Life on Mars. They're all from Ziggy Stardust. <laughs> but nonetheless, is it just the beer light to guide us? Does it lead to beer? Where can I get one? And I think what Scott is basically saying there is I'm a bit of a beery lad. But it is quite a good question. Mm. When he says just the beer light to mm. guide us on Ziggy Stardust, mm-hmm. what is a beer light? Is it a light that's You know what? I have light? to admit, I always thought it was just the bare light. Oh, really? Oh, did you? Just the bare light. Yeah, and just that's how Bowie says it. I, yeah, but and oh. then my best misjudged lyrics was, as a kid, the Opal Fruits advert, which was mm. Opal Fruits made, made to, to make, make him out of I always thought it was Opal Fruits makey makey mag morka. <laughs> I always thought it was that. Okay. Did you have your ears syringed at any point? Because that's not And it even... isn't that. Yeah. No, Clearly, it, but in my head... If it was that... I think there'd have been quite an investigation into their advertising clientele. And sales probably would have plummeted. Pro- probably would have Although saying, that might be someone chewing an opal but fruit can you imagine, and trying to say, make can you, exactly, about water. Can you imagine seeing that advert and at the end putting the slogan up, makey, uh, uh, makey, <laughs> mac, more cut? That would be a great Also, advert. when they said, are you aiming these at very young children? No, 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 not at all. I mean, yeah. Opal fruit, makey, makey, mac, more well, that would a, be great written down as one word. It would be absolutely In a similar great. way, I thought I misheard a song that I thought was an advert but was a song, which is the hot chocolate song, I Believe in Miracles. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I genuinely also, but partly because we had a garage called this, I thought it was um, I Believe in Merco. In and Merco is a big oil company, <laughs> yes. isn't it? Yeah. And they had garages. In Scotland, where we lived. Where you lived till you were eight. And I thought they were, that was what it was referenced to. Tom Horwood. Tom Horwood. Can I just say, David, on that beer light thing? Because I actually think, I always thought it was beer light, because it is. And I always thought it was a really great phrase or couplet, whatever you want to call it, because I assumed it always meant it's it's a pub, it's a smoky pub, and it's the band at the beginning oh, right. of, of their journey mm-hmm. and they're not in big stadiums and I thought it's just the beer light felt like we're just doing it because we're loving it and we're in a band oh, right. the, that's, I always thought that beer light almost like that triangular shape that a light makes in a smoky pub you know, but what is a, the lyric is you know it's just the beer light to guide us meaning he's gone mad Ziggy's gone mad we're left with the beer light so I guess you could say right all that's left for us is playing in pubs yes he's gone off to so it's definitely beer light and it's not bear like the bear I, I, it's definitely light. not oh you mean like oh you, like you mean could, a bear well now I'm saying is it, it a, bear? a bear it could be a bear yeah, that has a light because I think originally um, originally you thought bear is in naked light yeah but now I'm but enjoying now the fact that it could actually be a bear you know a bear that has a light yeah well a bear with a torch. A bear with a torch, or alternatively, a light in the middle of Yellowstone Park, exactly. which a bear yes. is attracted to, so, yeah. where there's honey. Yeah. In the in a big shed. Or ha- and has marked with its own urine, and it's become its own. <laughs> yeah. Well, then it doesn't need so, the light. I mean, why would it need a light so if it's it marked that? with its own urine? You're right. Yeah. You're is right. it that, or is it? Don't be ridiculous. Yeah. It's probably beer. Uh, <laughs> Tom Horwood says, 
I've always sung along to Lemons on Sale Again and pondered why the lemons government has banned the sale of lemons. What goes on in the mind of David Bowie? So I just lemons said, it's Lennon. Sale, I, I mean, that is so... I mean, it's Lennon. I mean, no well, actually, ever... a lot of people, after I said, it's Lennon, Tom, uh, the interesting idea, lemons on sale again. That's great. Straightforward. Like, probably in the 70s, they weren't for a yeah. while due to various restrictions. Well, I suspect there weren't. It would be an exciting time if they weren't. And then yeah. in the 70s, he's <laughs> yeah. lemons. Lemons on sale again. But, but a lot of think... people have said, is it Lennon? A few people have said it's Lenin, isn't it? It's Lenin. No, it's, well, it's definitely on the back of Hunky Dory as yeah. Lenin, yeah. right? Yeah. As Does in John Lennon. Lenin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But a number of people have said he distinctly sings, and we could listen to it, Lenin, right? And it is about revolution at that point in the song. So, but it's very Bowie to say Lenin in a song about revolution. Just to yeah, oh, it's a pun, yeah. isn't it? It's a pun on yeah. Lenin, Lenin. Yeah, and Lenin. Yeah, so and could, Lenin. Could workers have struck for fame. Lennon's on sale. It's Lennon. It's Lennon. It is a joke. It's a sort of joke because the workers have struck for fame. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Because Lennon's on sale again. It's actually an incredibly it's brilliant. prescient it's joke. Brilliant. It's Because it's, it's about fame, which he was going to record with John well, Lennon. Well, that's definitely that, which is weird. But also, it's about the fact that he was doing his working class hero. That's what I've always thought. It was a reference to the Lennon that's doing that stuff. He would have but just it's had a brilliant imagine. Bowie and... kind of head fuck you bit. Like in. Um... Uh, is it Teenage Wildlife, uh, right. which is one of my favourite oh, songs yeah, ever, song. ever, ever? Yeah. When he goes, is it? Uh, they say to me, um, they take me into a, a hallway. They say, yeah. don't ask me. I don't know any. <clears throat> I don't know any. Yeah. Yeah, it's just uh, well, and also Bowie does that a lot. The double he mentions, he says something twice. Yeah. So normally you say, right, I've just written hallways. I need to come up with something. Always call days. He says no hallways no, I'll just again. Do hallways again. Um, because he Royston can. Deitch says could be off point, but as regards life on Mars, I've always wondered if it would have been okay for the lawman to be beating up the right guy. Oh, that's an interesting thing. To it's think an interesting about. point. Yeah. You know, because life on Mars. Someone once said to me, or I think I read this in the NME, in fact, at the time, that it's a song about how things have got so bad on Brit- on, in Britain, I was going to say. <laughs> but so, well, so bad in 70s Britain, in a way, but on Earth, that we can only hope there's life on Mars, right? And, and he paints this apoly- right. ap- apocalyptic picture of the world in which the lawmen, for example, are beating up the wrong guy. But it does suggest that would be fine if it was the right guy. Yeah. <laughs> you mean it's OK beating up the wrong... Mm. The right no, guy. It, it, well, no, because the lawmen shouldn't really be beating anyone up. I, mean, I said, was. Yeah. I was actually beaten up by the police in nineteen. Yeah, in I was when? on. I was on the Stop the City March in 1984, right? Oh. Which was a sort of anarchist thing, and I only went along because I thought it'd be a laugh. Right. 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 And is I, that what you said to the cop? Well, that was the trouble. Is I got arrested because there was a big movement at one point of the crowd, and I got nearly crushed against a, a barrier. I jumped over the barrier. Some police picked me up, and they threw me in this van, and they just started throwing me about the van. But that's right? beating up the right guy for well, them. For them, it's definitely I mean, beating yeah. up the right guy. Yeah, but it was it was pretty frightening. And actually, I, I remember doing this joke about it later in uh, when I became a comedian. I and because people used to do stuff about police violence. Yes. And I think I was the only person who actually had been beaten <laughs> up by the police on the cabaret circuit. And the thing I said was the weird thing about being beaten up by the police is if you're being beaten up by skinheads, you can think at least to yourself, yes. well, oh, God, at any moment the police might turn up. Yeah. But if you're being beaten up by the police, there's no point in thinking, oh, I hope some skinheads turn yeah. up. Right? So to, I can to, tell you, as the person being beaten up by the lawmakers, even if I was the right guy, it didn't feel good to me. No. But I have been... Did the skinheads ever turn up? They never turn uh, up. No. I, I've been pushed into a hedge by a policeman. Have you? And it was quite traumatic because it wasn't being beaten up. So um, this is a lower order crime. Pushed into a but hedge. When it, when <laughs> I was, were you? Like so six. I was at Bristol University, so I was like yeah. 20. Pushed into a hedge by and, the right guy. It doesn't work. And, and the, this, it was sort of three in the morning. We were on our way back from a party or something and a police car went past. And in that 1980s way where I thought, you know, I've watched The Young Ones and I'm probably, you know, and I shouted. I remember what I shouted. I shouted, 
haven't you got any real crime to solve? Did you? Which, yeah, which also I thought, well, I, they might, but that I might be what that, they're doing. There's yeah. no evidence that isn't yeah. what they're and doing. also, I don't think that is that young. That's the sort of thing that sort of 58-year-old grumpy <laughs> old man shouts. Who were you? Who were you? Yeah. So they were going and thinking, oh, look at me, I've just shouted at the police, and on they go. Instead, I can remember now the sight of their brake lights coming on. <laughs> really? Uh, sort of, and then sort of thinking in uh, some way, oh, it's just me and a mate and we're on our own, and well, yeah. what earth did I say that for? And then this um, copper, as I think we can good, call him. Good with copper, yeah. yeah. Um, Pig. Came out of the car. <laughs> I was actually thinking about saying that. I felt a bit scared saying it. <laughs> so that was David saying pig. I said pig. Yeah, I said I'm sorry, copper. any policeman, policeman Public servant. Especially the one, who, the one who pushed Tim into a hedge. I'm going to say sorry. public servant. This public servant got out of the car and just, I remember him coming straight towards me and I thought, oh, <laughs> we're not even having a discussion. It just felt that urgent. And he, I suppose he sort of very pushed slowly me pushed by the chest. And I'm in a sort of suburban <laughs> in the Bristol somewhere and pushed me into a hedge. And I don't know if he said, he probably said something. But you know, with hedges, you Did can... Did you bounce back? Yeah, well, you right. know... Yeah, it's it, a springy sort Not of quite. You know, it basically sprung and then sort of closed over me. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, it was a pathetic... Yeah, yeah. it was like so, a cartoon. Well, suddenly I was in the hedge. Yeah, yeah. So I was pushed back on hedge. it and then it in, closed yeah, over submerged. me. And I remember the the worst thing, it wasn't really beating up, the worst thing was just the scratch, like pulling myself out of the hedge. Somewhere between 18 and oh, right. 21. So I just, you weren't young uh, enough for this to be really quite abusive on the part of a policeman. No, it was... And he quite rightly... He, he, he quite rightly pushed you to a hedge. He quite rightly pushed me to a hedge. I can't remember what... I missed a bit at the start of that. Did make I was my trying point, to though. find something on Twitter while you were talking. All oh, right, yeah. No, and I missed. Why did you initially shout? Haven't you got any proper crimes? Because, by the way, my point was proved because he pushed me yeah, into that, a hedge when he yes, could have been solving could have been a murder. The world. Yeah, yeah. But, um, world, but I think know. I was uh, probably drunk and a student, oh, right. and it was 1980s, and it was all yeah. agitprop. And, so literally, they were um, just passing in a car. So they were passing in a car, and I say that brake light coming on, which makes yeah. me slightly anxious as I think about it now. Okay, was so not it wasn't meant that because you see when. That's why still to this day you don't use brakes on your car. (laughs) (laughs) It's been removed. (laughs) Still to this day I don't shout at policemen randomly. I I missed the the start of it, Tim. I thought, I assumed that you'd shouted that because you saw them, for example, picking up an innocent black man at the time of sus or whatever. And there they were, the coppers, the robbers, the feds, clearly doing something wrong. But no, they were just driving. In a way, I did see that. Right, um, in your head. not actually happening well, in front of me. After you fell in the head, yeah. then what occurred? Did he just get back in the car? Uh, no, because I think by the... I think they... He actually... I mean, to think about it... Was there pornography in the hedge? I think it was a mad thing There was often pornography in hedges in the 70s. <laughs> yeah, I know what you mean. It's been much disgusting comedy, no, the, but there the, wasn't. The, the, what, that would have been an upside if you'd found a copy of Razzle. In the <laughs> <laughs> attached my face as I came out. <laughs> yeah. But what was odd was just he, he literally thought, I'm going to... Actually, I'm not going to beat that guy up. I'm not unreasonable. But he's a student, privileged student. I'm just going to... I don't know if he thought I'm going to push him in the head. I'm just going to... And he just pushed me. And uh, they they drove on. My buddy had a good... This is a very quick, short one, uh, of being uh, stopped by the police. He'd just been to Kentucky Fried Chicken. This is in the 90s. No, the the man, my friend. And he'd been to Kentucky Fried Chicken and had loads of chicken. And he was driving home and a police car flashed him and pulled him over and said, we have reason to believe you might have been drinking the way you're driving. He goes, I haven't drunk anything at all. He hadn't. He said, well, can you get out of the car, please? Get out of the car. He said, have you been, you, you know, have you definitely not been drinking? I haven't been drinking. He goes, mm, can you breathe into my face, sir? <laughs> and he breathed into the policeman's face and the policeman said to him, oh, you stink of chicken. said, <laughs> 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 on your way. Oh, on your way? If he'd I arrested just, yeah, him. But I just got the fact that he just yeah. smelt yeah. his chicken. If he'd got out a chicken 
And, and yeah, they well, they didn't, yeah. they didn't over have the that. limit for chicken. You're not allowed to drive, so are you stinking of chicken? <laughs> yeah. Stinking yeah. of chicken. And also, the way you're moving looks a bit like Mick Jagger on a, on a bus, <laughs> on so a you've bus clearly had Mexico. too much chicken. <laughs> we're coming to the end of uh, this episode of the podcast. I think yeah. we're going to keep Robert on, if he's all right, for another podcast, which we'll release next week. But since we began talking about uh, very, very classical, great Bowie songs, I think we should finish by talking about Una Paloma Blanca, which Robert brought up, um, which obviously is not a Bowie song. It is by George Baker. Is that Who, right? by the way, is the hairiest man I have ever seen. I don't know if you can see him. Oh I think he my is God. the head. He's just wow. hair. He's, He's the head. His face is covered in... His whole face is hair. It's Even his teeth are it's hair. It's incredible. I'm just going to find out some information about Una Paloma. Oh, it's also by Jonathan King. Oh, maybe it was Jonathan King's version. Should I tell you what it is? It's means? written by George oh. Baker, but it was definitely a version by Jonathan uh, King. One, the one in '74 in in New York played at the Calablanca Hotel. If you if they had that Paloma one, Blanca it, played at the Calablanca Hotel, you were, on a, you were on a Blanca Power mm-hmm. National it, Front. It means thing, and a white, man in a Blanca suit. White. To the, it means white dove. Oh, oh does it? That's what it right. means. Um, okay, Hang so on. it's a symbol of peace, which is a lovely okay, way the, to end. As well. The George Baker selection version. He was in a band called the George Baker Selection. Okay. I love that. Yeah, yeah. I love the fact is such a that he was in the George yeah. Baker <laughs> selection. selection. Actually, here is the. Here he is on the cover of the George Baker selection, wow. Paloma Blanca. Uh, it was recorded by Jonathan King. It got to number five uh, a few months after George Baker's original. Serbian singer Boris Bezetek did a cover <laughs> of the song Serbian. in Serbian. And actually, an Afrikaans rendering entitled My wow. Klein, My Klein Wit Dulfi uh, was a hit for studio group uh, Tamal My Little Legit. White Dove. Little yeah. White Dove, yeah. And it was a hit for Nina. Oh, God, it's, it's been a hit everywhere. Nina Simone, you were going to say? No, uh, it was a hit for Nina and Mike oh, in Germany. Nina and Mike. Different. Are Austin. they your parents' friends? <laughs> I went to ask you, what are your parents' names again? Eve and Michael. Eve, Evie. Eve and Michael. Michael. So who's Sin? Sin? Yeah, yes, I've got something in my head, something to do with you, Auntie Sin. Sen. Senny? I don't know. You've got an auntie. I had a... Is, it, is this a medium? Are you a medium now? Are you <laughs> yeah, hearing yeah, yeah, yeah. We are sitting in a circle. There's a coin yeah. down the back of my sofa. <laughs> Sin. Yeah. Sin oh, we had an auntie Sin. We, yeah, we had a... We had a auntie what? We had an auntie... S- her name was Auntie <laughs> Auntie Senny. That was her name. Senny. That's not who I'm That's thinking strange. of. That's strange. That's not who I'm thinking of. Talking about my Auntie Senny, my dad just, apropos of nothing, just did a very funny thing this weekend. He revealed to me that in his uh, wallet, he's been carrying around a photo of his mother for, you know, mm. 20 years. Uh, it's with his mum and his two sis, her sisters, his Auntie Senny and Auntie D. Really? And yeah, and um, I looked at it, and it's not his mother. It's just another woman. When I looked at it close up, we go, "That's not your mum." He goes, "Isn't it?" And not his sister. And I took a photo and I blew it up because it's a small photo. And we said, "Who's that other woman?" He says, "I don't know." He's had it in his wallet for twenty odd years. And really? So but he's carrying around a picture of his mother and her sisters, and it's his sisters, but his mother's not in it, which wow. I love. That is that's amazing. That's that's great, isn't it? I really yeah. love that. Yeah, yeah. Want, you know, he put it back in his wallet. Of course, course he did. Which, yeah. yeah. What is yeah. a special thing, isn't it? Yeah, it's a very special thing. What if you're out there, that woman? Right, and you know, you remember the photo with Robert's father's sisters. Get in touch because yeah, we might it's be. Un- able to... It's unlikely. It's it was unlikely. taken in 1941 or something. <laughs> it's not impossible, Robert. It's not get... impossible. It's not impossible. And just to prove it, I'm going to play Jonathan King, who, as we know, is a paedophile, singing Una Paloma Blanca. I know what Una Paloma Blanca means. That was another well, paedophile. Introduced that, by that's another incredible. Jimmy, get off the screen, Jimmy.
When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.